Welcome to the Farmer's Beat. This week, we have a guest episode by our friends at California Certified Organic Farmers Foundation, or CCOF Foundation. Thanks for tuning in, and now let's hear the story they have to share this week. Welcome to Radio Organic, the podcast dedicated to unearthing inspired ideas in organic food and agriculture. We bring professionals from the field together for real-life discussions about the practical techniques to help your business thrive. Brought to you by CCOF, Radio Organic is the conversation about today's organic world. Hi, my name is Jamie Collins. I'm an organic farmer, marketing consultant, and the host of today's podcast. This is episode one of a four-part series on direct marketing strategies for organic farmers part of the CCOS Foundation's Organic Training Institute. Find more episodes and resources at ccof.org forward slash OTI. Today, we're speaking with Joe Shermer, a longtime friend of mine and owner of Dirty Girl Produce. He's been farming in Santa Cruz County, California for almost 30 years. On his 40-acre farm, Joe grows over 20 varieties of fruits and vegetables. His specialty is dry farm tomatoes, and he's developed his own variety called the Dirty Girl. He sells his produce to customers in restaurants at 10 farmers markets in Santa Cruz, Berkeley, and San Francisco. At the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, Joe started a direct-to-consumer farm box program to make up for loss of sales at restaurants and farmers markets. He also entered the pandemic holding over 100,000 in outstanding invoices. This got him thinking about farm financing systems and spurred him to change the way he operates his business. Today, we'll hear what changes he's made and how it continues to influence how he runs his business. Hi, Joe. Good to see you today. Welcome to Radio Organic. Thanks, Jamie. Great to be here. Let's start off talking about your online sales platform. I know when you and I talked a few months into the pandemic, you'd lost your main worker that managed accounts and inventory. You said her phone was always blowing up with orders. That was something you couldn't take on with all that was on your plate. But you were able to find a sales software that streamlined your sales and your invoicing process. What were the key things that the software provided that allowed you to function with less staff? What happened during the pandemic was, you know, essentially restaurants shut down. We uh, were, were really relying on our restaurants, uh, restaurant accounts, and farmers markets. We didn't know if farmers markets were going to close down. I mean, obviously, some people didn't go farmers markets, so they they slowed down, but uh, eventually they picked back up. And so uh, it, it allowed us in that time to start delivering like people really were after home delivery um, in the beginning of the pandemic and of course we're still doing it now so it allowed us to coordinate uh, routing how to coordinate the days of the week that people are going to get their boxes who's going to get what how people are going to pay i mean the whole the whole thing is so um complex that you know normal csas and people that do deliveries and stuff like that you know they've they've taken years to develop their system and we just jumped right in so it allowed us to coordinate all of the moving parts of of changing our 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 sales strategy basically and and you know we had uh five day a week deliveries that we didn't have before and of course we had all these pickup sites throughout santa cruz and the san francisco east bay uh, where people were picking up farm boxes and strawberry boxes and tomato jars and whatever whatever we were selling so um, you know, that's a lot of coordinating and it allow, and we started off without anything and we we're doing it by hand on scratching it out on pieces of paper and using social media and, and using, um, you know, other means to pay for it. And, uh, it was just really, really complicated. So when, 
I, I just spent some time, you know, really trying to shop around and see what's out there. And of course I've been, I've been approached by most all of these online platforms in the past. And I was kind of like a, you know, why fix it if it's not broken kind of thing. But I still, um, I still gave it a listen. I went through the tours. I looked, checked out. Okay, good. So I was at least a little bit ahead, even though we weren't using any an active CSA. So we jumped in and it allowed, it allowed for all that complexity, uh, a huge learning curve to, you know, be doing all this stuff in a different way and change it. But, um, you know, we could set live inventories, you know, people, we were getting everybody to pay up front, which is huge, more like a CSA, uh, where you're getting paid up front until instead of waiting 30 days. Um, and then it, it really allowed us to sell all the leftover stuff that was at the market, especially in a time when, you know, all these restaurants were in crisis, you know, we've, we discounted heavily produce that, you know, was in really good shape, but it came back from markets. And, and that's been one of our most popular items that people buy because the, the price point's really good. And it's still, you know, in my opinion, just as good. It's what I eat when I get food out of the cooler, you know? Yeah. That's really great. And it sounds like it was super helpful for you, um, especially when you needed the help. And I know during this time, you realized that giving the restaurants account terms was a weak link in uncertain times since the restaurant industry was so impacted by the pandemic. And I know typically farms invoice um, restaurants with 30 days. So it's easy to see how you could get, you know, have so many outstanding invoices out there at the beginning of COVID. Your switch to sales software meant that customers were required to pay up front to secure an order. I know that's different than what they were used to. So what was the reaction when you decided to make the change? Did you lose any customers? You know, it's hard to say if we really lost customers. I mean, there was such a big upheaval in the restaurant industry. I mean, there were so many restaurants that went under and then so many that just have been holding their breath. Um, I don't think that we're out of the woods with the restaurant industry by any stretch of the, you know, I mean, I think some people have, I've been racking up credit. They've been looking for PPP loans. They've been, you know, if you had cool landlords that were understanding, or if you could pivot to takeout, you know, just to kind of limp in, um, then you're good. But I don't think that we're out of it yet. Even though people are starting to come back and, and restaurants are opening, I think it's a huge, huge issue for them. And of course, we had a model of just allowing people um, you know, on the receipts that we would write electronically or on paper, you know, we'd say balance due. Uh, but really, you know, we'd give people 30 days. We'd give, you know, some people just pay automatically and they're good. And a lot of people, when you have enough restaurant accounts like we did, you know, we'd have like 50 restaurants that would owe us anywhere from 20 bucks to, you know, a couple thousand dollars. And it's a lot to do to coordinate and to run aging and to go after money that people maybe, you know, honestly lost their receipt or it went to the wrong email or you name it, you know, but it's a lot of work maintaining those. And so what happened really is everybody kind of disappeared and the people that were still around, you know, I explained to them and they're pretty, you know, solid, stable customers and everybody pivoted pretty easy. You know, because they're all your people are used to using credit cards and ACH to buy stuff. I mean, we do that, but for whatever reason, you know, restaurants are used to having farms and their purveyors do 30 days, which, you know, a lot of purveyors 
are different than, you know, you tell a winery is different than what we do. I mean, we're, you know, just making enough money to exist. We don't have a big nest egg that we can count on. So any kind of cash forward, I mean, that's why the CSA model is so great. You get money up front. Um, but as soon as we switched over to, um, people placing the order and they pay for it right there, some people tripped on it. Some people just go right away and, and it's not a problem, you know, and then, uh, and some people are like, well, I have to talk to accounting and accounting has to talk to the, these people and then back and forth and all kind of, you know, so it's complicated at first. And so we, you know, we will do terms and I'll place the orders myself, but eventually two or three times in and they figure it out and then they're on their own. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I can imagine, you know, now that you're in your second season of being paid up front, it's probably super beneficial for your business. Um, how how has it benefited your business, if so? Well, the the one thing is, is, you know, I'm not spending time at the end of the month going after everybody for money that they forgot to pay, right? And and also a, a lot of, you know, it's just kind of, it, it is sort of a little little paradigm shift, you could say, that, you know, why is the farmer who's trying to make a living growing carrots, you know, trying to, loan money essentially to restaurants who oftentimes have restaurant groups, they have deep pockets. You know, it's, I think that there could be a, um, a CSA type model with restaurants where restaurants actually pay their farm that they want to connect with, you know, chunk, chunk of change based on what they think they're going to buy that season and then chip away at it, you know, versus, the farm giving the produce and then getting a check later, right? What, you know, why, why should we do that? And, and in my switching over, you know, I say, Hey, if you need 30 days, use your credit card. That's what I do when I run my business. Right. I, I, if I don't want to write a check for this and they take a credit card and I want to wait a little bit, I'll do that. People are just really accustomed to what they're accustomed to. And it's no, no fault of their, theirs. I mean, the chefs that I deal with are awesome there. I really, have a huge connection with a lot of the chefs and they're, you know, creative artists, really, they're culinary artists. And so, um, you know, actually thinking about how that works and how paying is, is kind of new. And, but a lot of them, when you, if I sit down and have a face-to-face discussion or we talk about it on the phone, they get it right away. You know, it's not really an issue. And they're like, Oh yeah, of course we can do this. And it's actually a lot easier for them too, because then they can buy whenever they want, you know, stuff. And I really think it's smart of you to find a way to not finance someone else's business and get paid before packing the product. Um, what first shifted your thinking? Was it the realization that the farm shouldn't hold terms for the other businesses? Or was it the fact that the software didn't allow for terms that shifted your thinking? Well, yeah, the push, you know, whenever I do anything new in farming, I think someone has had to push me, you know, I, I really, you know, I've done a few creative things in farming, but mostly um, there's some kind of fire that I have to respond to. And really when I went on and, you know, the, the platform that we used was really toward a CSA model, you know, they developed more as a paying in, in beforehand. So they didn't really have terms. That's something that maybe they're going to work on, you know? And, um, but I don't know if I want that, you know, once you go this direction, I don't know if I want to start offering terms to everybody because, then I'll be in the same boat as I was before, which is that I have an aging 
um, of anywhere in the springtime from 30 to later in the fall, you know, I'll have like $150,000 out that's owed to me. We already, we already paid for everybody's wages on the farm. We paid for all the fertilizer, all the seed. We paid for the rent, the electricity, the water, everything. We brought it to market. We packaged it. We sold it. They had it. People have already consumed the product, but yet we haven't been paid for it yet. And so I think that that's just something that, you know, has always been a problem in farming. It's something that I, I think that the CSA model has helped to address a lot of small farms um, getting paid in the front end. In, in the front end. And I, I think that there's a lot of potential to be doing that with restaurants. And, uh, you know, we, we, have a, we have a larger wholesaler that basically a distributor that sells our tomatoes and they, they will give us cash advances in the, in the uh, beginning of the year. That's what farmers need. You know, we, I end up taking a lot of credit um, out and, you know, if I can reduce any of that, it's, it's not just helpful in that we have that, that working capital as we're investing into the season, but it's also less of a liability because when you have those credit lines, I mean, what if something happens and you don't, it doesn't come back. Going back to your sales software, you know, I know that it allowed you to move your excess produce. So um, when we do farmer's markets, we have leftover produce and we kind of, we nicknamed it Lefty, Lefty, Lefty produce, right? Um, And we keep really good care of it. We donate a lot. We compost an insane amount. I, I, I have no idea how to calculate the thousands of dollars a year that we, that we compost in really good produce. Just essentially they sit around too long, but we have coolers, we have refrigerated trucks. And so now what we do is after a market, we inventory everything that comes home. It go, it's in a refrigerated truck and then it goes back and it goes on the pallets that are lefty, right? Gets inventoried and we put it on our site, on our restaurant page. And it, it starts with X lefty so that it's all, everything's at the bottom of the page. And basically, you know, carrots are, orange carrots are reproduced as X lefty orange carrot bunches, right? And we cut the price in half. Something bunches, we even, we do dollar bunches. And we only put stuff in there that's nice. If it's like wilted in the sun and doesn't look too good, then we don't even put it in there. Um, and what that allows people to do is restaurants get on there and they can buy that and we can... Um, put their orders together with that, with, with the lefty produce, and they get that. A lot of things when you're cooking, there's a lot of cabbage, like what, leftover cabbage? You know, I mean, we, we easily, what we do with the leftover produce, once we put it on market, people buy it. What they don't buy, they'll go through and trim. And because a lot of things like cabbage, you just peel leaves and you cut it, and they're going to last for a long time. You know, it's still, still really good. But since we always have new inventory, new stuff we're picking, we like to just kind of flood it. And it also gives a lot of the restaurants a deal. You know, it's a much cheaper way to do it. It's a, it, so, so long as you get used to it, then people know exactly what's out there and the quality they're going to get. And so the, the X lefty thing is awesome. And having you got to do that with an online platform because it's too complicated to do that unless you bring all the stuff to a restaurant. They look at it and say what they want and don't want. That's what we used to do. And you do a lot of waste. And, and we, um, especially in the pandemic, 2020, we sold almost all of our leftover produce because people wanted it. And it's a good deal and it's good produce. And it also, what happens if we have too much broccoli, for example, well, we'll just load up the ex-lefty broccoli. We won't just say there's 25 pounds, but we'll say there's 500 pounds of broccoli. 
and lefties. So that if someone wants to get it, the inventory doesn't run out. And if we run out, then we just send them nice stuff, you know. And we realize that, you know, sometimes people need a better price break. Every, every you know, restaurant is different. They're all mostly small businesses, you know. Some have huge, you know, restaurant investors and some are just mom and pa and they're just struggling. So it's nice to be able to give people a different um, price range. It's so great to help the restaurants right now, too, you know, especially since they had such a rough year last year. So that's great that you can do that and make it easier for them to access it. Um, you also mentioned that your software allows you to sell small quantities of produce. So as a farmer, I know there's often small bits of interesting produce that everyone would want, but I don't bother offering it because I'd have more takers than I'd have produce. So compared to your old system, how does your new system make it easier to sell off small quantities? Yeah, that's, that's, been, a, that's been a huge one, especially with the restaurants. And now the restaurant's coming back online because during 2020, it was nice to do a big change because everybody, you know, most everybody, if they were in business, it was a very small uh, percentage of what they were doing. So they weren't buying a lot. So it was nice to make that switch. And as people come back, um, they're, we're reintroducing one by one uh, this, our system. And so what we used to do is send, we used to have an email list and we'd send out an email list once a week and it would show all the stuff that we have. Well, we grow, you know, 40 varieties on any given week of uh, different row crop vegetables, right? Different, you know, five different kinds of beets, five different kinds of carrots, different, five different kinds of lettuces, all these, and they're all in different quantities. And when you have a list, price list that goes out to like 400 people, and you know, you only have a little bit of uh, little gems, little gem lettuces, for example. Well, you don't put it on the list because if you put it on the list and you get three people and they all want 40 pounds and you know you only have 40 pounds, well, then you then you create more work because then you have to call them back or text and say, sorry, we're not going to do this. Or you have to divide it up or you have, you know, you have to do something versus now what we're able to do is we're say, hey, I only have 20, 20 pounds of little gem lettuces, put 20 pounds on the list. And then whoever gets that gets it. And then it's sold out. And then with yeah. the inventory, we can say, hey, we've, I've got, we've got six bunches of cilantro flowers and we put them on there and they're going to sell and then that's it. So it gives a whole bunch of buying off. And I think that uh, people really appreciate it. They, you know, we still have field questions about this and that and sizing and quality and sort of stuff. But, but it's, you know, the, the vast majority of all the orders that are coming in now, people are just, once they figure out the system and we've talked about it, they're just, they're on their own and they kind of, um, it's easy to navigate. It's easier. You can, you know, a lot of people work in kitchens and they're off at like midnight or one or two and, and then they want to put an order in and you send a text message at that point, you're not going to know till the next day, noon, whatever. But if you get on our site at two in the morning, you can check our inventory, you can make a purchase and you'll have a confirmation right then. Right. So switching to an online sales can be a big shift for a farm. It takes a lot of time to learn and implement a new system. And I know I'm still struggling to learn the one I signed up for. What are three of the most important things to consider when choosing an online sales platform? Well, I would say as anything in farming is when you want to do something different, make sure you talk to everybody you know that is doing what you're doing. You know, you don't necessarily need to talk to a cement contractor when you're trying to figure out what bank to go to. You go talk to a farmer, you know, that you know, 
And it's the same with the online sales. I mean, there's the huge gap between people that are doing it and people that will never do this, you know, because they're, they do it the way they do it. Right. So I think you really need to shop around, look at all the possibilities and get all the suggestions and advice from other farmers that you can, because every small farm that I know does it different. Any other things to consider when choosing an online sales platform? Yeah. When you switch to an online platform sales as a farm, you need to find some platform that deals with farming for one, which there's a lot of them, but there's also other platforms that deal with any other commerce, you know, any other sales. And so you really need to shop around and see what the options are and, and find one that, that is really trying to find you and help you out because they're, they're all very different. And the biggest thing that I found in, you know, the spring of 2020, when we were trying to switch over and get online with everything is the amount of tech support because I'm not a tech guy. I mean, I now pretty much have an office job and work in tech as a farmer. That's just how my time is spent, but it's by default. And so I really needed a lot of extra help on doing everything. And I need to be able to, you know, it's like, this is the time I have to get in on the platform and to design stuff, to put in orders, to deal with this stuff. And if I run into a roadblock and I don't know how to proceed, I need to be able to have someone that's right there ready to help me out, you know, right away. And so if not, then, then what? Then you have to stop what you're doing. You start doing something else. You, you, it's just not going to work. So I found a, a business that, that uh, really has a lot of tech support. And that was huge. And it's worth paying because you, you realize that all the energy you spend in the office doing this stuff is really important time. So, you know, I'd rather pay, uh, usually there's tiered subscriptions in this sort of stuff, you know, based on what you need. And I really went for the, the highest tier, you know, the most amount of support that I could get because that's what I needed. And it, and it worked and it helped. And so I would, I would really go after support. I would go after the different functions because these different platforms will be catered to different uh, farming styles. You know, if you're heavily CSA, if you're heavily farmer's market, if you're heavily wholesale, if you're heavily, um, what else, restaurant. So all the, you know, if you're going to be doing deliveries, if you're going to do pickups, you know, every little bit um, matters in how you run stuff and how they are going to help you do that. Another thing that happens is, you know, when you do make a big shift, what I've found is part of our shift is not just trying to find someone that rubber stamps the style we do, but we are also changing the way we sold during this. So we needed that kind of guidance to help us move in that direction, which we did. You know, I think that, you know, getting people to pay up front would have um, been a lot harder for me to establish had the, the online platform that we use not already been deeply involved in that. That's great. Yeah. Good advice, Joe. Thank you. And as we sign off, you've been a successful farmer for almost 30 years. What recommendations do you have for newer farmers on managing a resilient organic farm? I would try to put as much time as you can into um, not just learning how to farm, because I think the horticulture comes pretty easy to most people that, 
you know, get turned on to farming. But the, the most time that you can spend learning about accounting and business, loans, credit lines, credit cards, um, all, the, all the kind of small business stuff, especially if you can relate it to farming, is, is going to be huge and you're going to use all that. If you're going to run the farm, it's very different than if you're going to work on a farm. So any, any, anything you can do, the most money you can save, of course, it always helps if you're born with a lot of money. That really helps you farm. Um, but, or if you find money or, you know, I've noticed people retire from tech money and then they start a farm and that looks pretty good to me. So, um, (laughs) kind of joking, but, you know, save as much money as you can get into as stable of a situation as you can before you do it. You know, like the, the horticulture is easy. The horticulture is easy and it's fun. Um, the, the hard part is going to be the economics and the social, uh, your, your relationship with your workers your relationship with uh, your landlords, if you have landlords, um, all the businesses you're going to, you know, interface with both uh, the vendors that you're going to be buying from and all the customers you're going to be selling to. All those, all those things are really good, um, you know, to have strong skills in. And I would always recommend that someone starting a farm write a very um, detailed business plan and get someone to help you write that because you're going to walk through all different aspects of the business um, and not just, you know, the horticulture, what you're excited to grow and what food and what, you know, farm parties you are going to have and, that, you know, all the stuff that you, you know, are attracted to. Um, so, yeah, big, solid business plan before getting in and um, get to know as many farmers as you can and have their phone numbers in your cell phone because you're going to need to call them like all the time. Yeah. I don't think people realize that farming, you know, you wear so many hats with farming and the one that you thought you'd wear the most, you end up wearing the least. Right. So um, yeah, you really have to know so many other things and be good at so many other things um, than just growing the food. So um, it's been really great to talk with you today, Joe. Thank you for sharing your shift in thinking around farm sales systems and all your other good advice. Um, and we hope you have a really great day. Awesome, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Radio Organic and special thanks to Community Alliance with Family Farmers and the Farmers Beat for helping us kick off this pilot series. Join us next time for a conversation with John and Kyle Garoni of Far West Fungi on how they leverage their direct-to-consumer sales outlets to keep tabs on market trends and test out new products. If you have suggestions for future episodes, follow the feedback link in the podcast description or email ccoffoundation at ccof.org. Radio Organic is a production of the CCOF Foundation. Guided by the wisdom of its farming roots, the CCOF Foundation unites the organic community to advance organic agriculture offering intentional education, financial support, and growth opportunities for organic professionals. Learn more at ccof.org forward slash foundation.